Well, hello. If we have not had the chance to meet before, my name is Caleb, and it's my honor and privilege to get to serve as the youth pastor here at BCA. Oh, thanks. Um, Every time I get to preach and speak, I always want to make sure to mention that, that it is an honor and a privilege. It is actually something that me and my wife, we take so serious. We don't view this as a role and a job that people should look and just be like, hey, yeah, do it, that sort of a thing. Um, We take it so serious, and we just appreciate the trust of this community to be able to invest in the lives of students. And today, I appreciate your trust to be able to invest into our entire church community um, as I have the chance to bring the word this morning. And so in just a few moments, we're going to dive in. We're going to see what God has to say to us through his word, through scripture, and that sort of a thing. It's going to be great, I hope. You be the judge of that. Um, But I wanted to take one quick moment before we continue on in our series called Say Yes to just encourage you next week. Next week, please take the time, set it aside to be at church, whether you're joining us online in the chapel or here in the worship center, because Pastor Rob is going to be kicking off a brand new collection for us, The Road Back from Regret. And this is a series just to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes from us as a staff that Pastor Rob has been preparing for and praying for for months. This is a series of messages that I believe is for our community. I believe is going to encourage you. I believe is going to empower you through what the Holy Spirit has for us. And so make the time to be here and make the time to hear what our pastor has for it. It's going to be great. You won't want to miss it. Now, we can stop looking ahead. Let's look to right now because today we have a word to dive into and we are continuing on in Say Yes. You see, for the past few weeks... We've been taking time to say yes to God's call on our life, to say yes to all the things that God has for us. But I do have to throw out there, there's always then an inverse to that question. There's an inverse to it. Because if we look and we're saying, hey, will you say yes to God's call on your life? I want to pose another question to you. Are you bold enough to say no to what God has for you? Because if we're not willing to say yes, we have to realize we're still saying something. If we're not willing to say yes to what God has for us, we have to realize we're looking and we're saying, no, God, I don't want to do that. No, God, I don't want to step into this. No, God, that's not what I actually think should happen. And actually, really quick, something we're really good at doing is we're really good at saying, yes, God, but, which is no. When we start to negotiate with God, we have to recognize we're changing the reality of what he's called us to. So today, I want to challenge you, and actually, I hope, I hope you're not bold enough to look at God and say no, but I do hope today you'll be bold enough then to say yes, to say yes to the things that God has for us, and whether it's from today's message or maybe some of the past ones that we've looked at, may you say yes to what God has for us, because he has good things for us, because he has things he wants to see take place. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to be diving in to another area of discipleship that we can say yes to. And we've been looking at many areas, but today we are going to be talking about what it looks like to say yes to growth. This thing that is natural and it is necessary for our walk with God. Now, really quick before we dive into it, I have to ask you, for some of you this might be easier than others. No offense needs to be taken. Do you remember when you were young and you had growing pains? When you were growing up and you ended up having it where your legs just maybe hurt, your joints maybe ached in a different way than they may today and that sort of a thing. And you would have it where you just were like, what is going on? You see, for myself, when it came to growing pains, I ended up having it where I would have nights where it hurt so bad that their legs just ached so much. I would go to my mom and she would end up having like this kind of like kids chewable Tylenol type thing. That if it was so bad that I couldn't sleep, she'd be like, hey, here, this will kind of help you get through the night. Because I would lay there and I'd just be like, oh, and probably I was being a little bit dramatic. But 
It hurt. It was painful. Now, my mom in that moment and my dad in that moment, they would try to help me. They'd help me get back to sleep and all those things. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't go and Google, which at that point, it might not have been Google. I'm not quite that young. But they, might, they did not go and look up how to stunt our kids' growth. They're like, this is so bad that his legs hurt at night and he is a growing boy. We need to stunt his growth right now. They didn't do that. That'd be kind of weird. You know what they also didn't do? Look and say, he has pain in his legs and he's growing. We're going to cut his legs off. We're going to get rid of the possibility for pain in his life by getting rid of these things. No, you see, although I went through a lot of growing pains and I feel like my amount of pain should have deserved 6'5", God was not quite so gracious for me. But although I went through growing pains and that sort of a thing, you know what it was? It was necessary. You know what my parents looked at? They looked and said, Caleb, guess what? This is natural. It's necessary. You're going to grow. You're going to get taller. And you're going to be happy in the end that you've been able to grow up. You're going to be happy in the end that the growth took place. You know what would have been bad if they looked and they said, yeah, Caleb, this pain, it's terrible. And you're going to hate the fact that it ever happened. No, they looked and they said, Caleb, although there's some pain, it's good. Although growth requires some pain, it isn't bad, it is good. It hurts, it's necessary. You can even think of it this way. Maybe you're not resonating. Maybe you were just like a rock when you were growing up. You're like, my legs didn't hurt for a moment. But maybe you're somebody who's ever gone to the gym. And you go to the gym and you start to work out and you start to see things happen. You see, I'm not a bodybuilder, obviously, or anything like that. But I do have times I will go and periodically go to the gym. And when I go to the gym, oftentimes the next day, I will look to my wife, and you know what I'll complain about? My back hurts, my neck kind of hurts, my arms hurt, it's hard to walk up the stairs today, whatever it may be, I have some pain going on. You know what my wife doesn't look at me and say? Well, you should never go to the gym again, Caleb. If that's causing some pain in your life, oof, you should not do that. No, she looks and says, man, that's awesome. That shows you worked hard. It shows there's growth taking place. Pain is not always a sign that things are going in the wrong direction. Sometimes it is a sign of the growth we need to see happen. And growth to take place, yes, it requires an amount of pain. Because what? We want to see the growth, the strength, and we want to be able to have the perseverance necessary to make it through life with Jesus. So we got to grow. We got to see this happen. Uh, A couple months ago, I got to take us through a message on self-control, and I want to point back to a verse from there. I think it's so important for us today as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says this, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This language he's using, it's drastic, it's dramatic, it's looking and it's describing something difficult. But why would he do this difficult thing? So he can stand before God and say, I have become all you have called me to be. He looks and he says, the pain is worth it so I can get to where God has, had, where God has destined for me. It's something that matters. It's something that is important. You see, growth in faith, growth in faith is difficult, but essential. Growth in faith is difficult, but essential. You guys, today is not a message of the extras. Today is not a message of, hey, if you choose to do this, that could be a great addition. No, this is the basic necessary thing that has to happen in our faith. We must grow. You see, earlier on, we actually got to celebrate a moment that is so great for this. 
Because for us, we would always look to a child and say a child should grow, but what does Jesus liken us to? In John chapter three, verses five through seven, he says this. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. And he's talking through the idea and the concept of baptism, of us being laid down in the water in his death and being risen in new life with him, being born again, not of the same, but being a new creation. But you know what happens when you're born? You gotta grow. So whether you're one or you're 101, you can grow. Growth needs to happen. It needs to take place. Why? Because we are children of God who want to grow as our Father has advised us. And can I tell you, there was times I rolled my eyes at my parents when they had good things for me to do that they knew were beneficial. And I might have struggled with it a little bit, but then I ended up looking back and saying, man, I'm glad I did those things. Why? Because it helped me grow. So today, some of the things that we may look like, you might look and you might say, you know what, that one, that one, I can see that, I can tolerate that. But you might look at some of them and you might say, ugh, this again? Well, just maybe as you've rolled your eyes at your parents before, somebody who cared about you, when they had something good for you to do, it might be just the thing you have to start doing so we can grow, so we can have this natural, necessary thing take place. So today, as we're diving into one of our last areas of discipleship, like Pastor Rob has been taking us through, This one is noted as grow. And our pastor leaves us with the question, will I read my Bible and pray each day and fast each week? When it comes to growing, yes, there's some practical steps that can happen. And I wanna note really fast, when we talk about growth in our church, there's a lot of ways you can grow. And one of those areas that's awesome is through community. This is a moment where we're all growing in our faith, where we're gathering together and praising and worshiping God. You can also grow through things like, yes, small groups and classes and things like that. And if you're not a part of one and you're looking and you're saying, man, I actually could do that, I could have the time, sign up this week. We got stuff for our kids in Awana. We have youth gatherings on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. We have things for our adults during 9 a.m. through Wednesday nights, through small groups to meet throughout the week. There's so many things. We can grow in community. That's vital. Yet today... What we need to focus in on is not the growth that happens in community, but the growth that happens individually. The growth, the hard work that we have to do on our own so that we can grow closer to God. So as we dive into this, as we look at this, I'm first gonna pray, because we're not here to hear some man say maybe some good ideas and thoughts. We're here to hear from God. So let's pray as he prepares our hearts. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the chance to gather for the chance to be together, for this opportunity to dive into your word. I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, that you just prepare our hearts to be able to respond today to what your Holy Spirit has for us. That God, as we look to your word, we are not looking just at good ideas or good teachings, but we are looking at living words that have things to change and shift within us so we can grow closer to you. And God, as we have maybe been saying no to you at times, you're adding conditions. May you show us the things that we do need to say no to so we can give a full yes to you, God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in your name. Or we said, amen, amen, amen. All right, so really quick. I've already made, and all of our students can laugh about this. I've already referenced fitness, and also for me, I was a runner, okay? So I ran when I was in high school and the start of college and that sort of a thing. So... I'm very accustomed to the thing I'm about to describe because one of the most intimidating things that can happen for you, if you're somebody, let's just say you're like, I'm gonna get a gym membership and I wanna start working out. One of the most intimidating things that can happen is you walk into a gym 
And you look around and you're like, there is a sea of machines and I have no idea how they work. I'll tell you, it's why I don't go to CrossFit or anything like that. Because I would walk in the room and be like, I got no clue and because of who I am, I'm not going to ask how to do it probably and that sort of a thing. We look and you walk in and you don't have the knowledge of what's going on. There's this intimidation factor. And can we just be honest? There's times we've walked into rooms and we've looked around and we've been intimidated by the things in front of us. We haven't known how they've worked. So then we've just walked away from them. We've walked by them. So today, what I want you to realize with what we are looking at when it comes to growing in our faith, this isn't going to be like walking into the gym and you see the sea of machines and you're just like, man, I got no clue what this is. This is us, if we're using the same example, this is us walking into a room or walking into a moment and saying, you know what, God, I need to start taking some of the basic steps. Maybe it's I need to step out the door, start going on some walks, start jogging and try to get to where I can start doing some runs. Might not seem world changing, but it could be life changing. Maybe it's, I'm going to start doing some push-ups. Maybe it's, I'm going to start doing some crunches. The basic things, the things we're able to look to, and we might sometimes write off, but they're the things that can be the road, the foundation for major life change. Today, as we look at these things, my hope is, again, you don't leave confused. I hope you have some clarity. I hope you feel encouraged and empowered to grow, because it's what God calls us to. It's natural. It's necessary. So let's look at these three foundations for growth in our faith. The first one, it is just going to It's going to blow your mind. It's earth shattering. Read your Bible. Read the Bible. Here's the deal. Whenever I talk about the Bible, it is so important that we realize what it is. We are not talking about a book written by men and women over the course of some odd number of years. We are talking about the living word of God, the active word of God, that we can open a book and we can read it And if you believe, if you are a Christian or that sort of a thing, guess what? We look and we believe that the creator of the universe has written things to you and me. And we read that, realizing it. Read your Bible. It might be similar to somebody going and they say, you know what? I need to start getting in shape. But maybe the first step is just going on walks, jogs, and going for a run. It doesn't seem like the most earth-shattering, just like, oh my goodness, I watched a 30-minute infomercial and they sold me on this really get-quick, rich type thing or anything like that. No, it's not something crazy. It's simple, but it can change everything. Whenever I talk about running, actually, Pastor Danny has made this reference to me before. Whenever I talk about it, he'll look and he'll end up saying, I only run if I'm being chased. I think most of us could agree with that. If we're being chased, we're going to take off running. And for some of us, that is the discipline of running that we practice. Where we say, in case of emergency, I do this thing. Can, can, I, can we be honest about it? Can we add one thing to this? If you only run when you're being chased, you'll probably be caught. If your last resort is something you never do, I don't know why you trust it. So you know what's better? Start going on some runs. Start being prepared. Because then in the off chance you need to use it, you have some confidence in what you're doing. But here's the deal. We use the Bible oftentimes as a safety net. Where we look and say when life gets difficult, when life gets hard, when things just start to hit me after thing, after thing, after thing. We look and say, I need the Bible to help encourage me. Pastor, can you give me some verses? Can you tell me where to go to? And we start scrambling for it. It's like going on a run when you've never ran thinking it'll save your life. Now here's the reality. It still can meet you in that moment, but you know what's better? Being prepared. You know what's better than having to go and dig through the word is having something in life face you. You walk into a scenario and in your mind you already look and you say, I know what the word of God actually says about this. I might be having some difficulty in life, but here's what Jesus has said about me. 
You have lies about me. Here's the truth of scripture. You say that this is what my God believes. This is what my God actually believes. This is what my God says. Being prepared. Oh man, read your Bible. Be in it regularly. Let that be something that builds you up. Why do we read the Bible though? In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 to 17 it says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, I got to ask, have you ever just wanted to talk to God? Like maybe you've woken up one morning and you've just been like, man, I just wish God would give me a phone call. I wish he could just tell me what I got to do for the day. I wish he could just give me my instructions for what I have to have take place. It, it might seem trivial, and this might seem like a silly example, but that's what the Bible is. He has written us a guide. He has written us a book. He has written us the encouragement that we need. And so if you have moments, you look, and you're like, God, I need you to speak to me. Have you gone to the very words he has written to you? to the very words that he has breathed so that you would be able to be encouraged day in and day out. You see, when we read the Bible, it is not passive, but it is active. It's not some old book with some old ideas. It is a living book with life-changing ideas. So, if we have an understanding of why we must read it, how do we do it? Now, here's the thing. For myself, I'm not somebody who works well with, like, tons and tons of systems. I'm just, I'm like, give me the practical bare-bones thing. So this is my bare-bones reading plan for you, okay? How do you read your Bible? Do it daily. When you care about something, you do it regularly. You do it with consistency. You make it a rhythm. You make it something you care about. You know what? Most of us, we're not going to miss dinner. Why? Because we want to eat food. We care about it. So how about we take in the word of God in the same way, have a hunger for the word. Let's have it daily. Then set yourself up for success. Set a time. So you're doing so daily, but then you know what? Our days, they get busy. So let's make it something that's time stamped. We look and we say, man, the clock says that. I'm going to start to read my Bible. I'm going to start to engage with it. Set a time. Number three, do it with a conviction. Do it with a conviction. Make it so that when you go to read your Bible, you know, honestly, make it so that it's something that if you miss a day of it, it's not becoming a regular thing, but it becomes something that if you miss, if you forget, you look the next day and you go and you say, God, I did not mean to miss that. God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to make that habit. I have a conviction about this thing. I'm going to make sure I'm back on it today. Do so with a conviction and do so with achievable room for growth. It's funny. We're talking about growth, so we should talk about growing in these things. So make it achievable. Today, if you feel ever so inspired by the words of a youth pastor, that you're like, I must go read my Bible a bunch, can I encourage you, maybe don't start, unless God like, tells you to or something, maybe don't start by saying, I'm gonna go home and read the entire Gospel of Matthew today. Here's the reason. That's not going to be able to be achievable for you all the time. But maybe you look and you say, I'm gonna make this achievable, because why? You don't wanna be successful at reading your Bible for one day, you wanna be successful at reading your Bible the rest of your life. So you look and you say, God, I'm gonna set the time, I'm gonna have this, and I'm gonna start with one chapter, one chapter a day. If you've never read the Bible before, start in the Gospel of John, that's my recommendation. And just read one chapter a day, and I hope that every day you start to have a moment where you look and you say, I wanna know what happens next. Well then, be excited for tomorrow's time in the Word. Let the hunger build. And then maybe after some time, you're going to splurge, and you're going to be like, I'm going to read two chapters. And then maybe one day it grows to five chapters. Reading one chapter a day, on average, the average length of a Bible chapter is about five minutes. 
I bet you got five minutes to see what the creator of the universe has to say to you. I think we can give him that time. Read your Bible. Do so with a conviction and do so with an intent to grow in it. All right, next thing. We have God talking to us. We can read his word. We also, guess what? We can talk to God through prayer. And that's the second foundation. That's the second thing we need. We need to pray. We read his word. We see what God is saying, but then we also look and we talk to God. I love it because prayer is not something that God just asks us to do. It is something that Jesus models for us so, so well and so clearly. I love the verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I don't wake up that early often, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The Son of God knows the Father the best. The closest with him knows his heart, knows what he wants. What does he do? Prays. He goes and talks to him. Why? Because it wasn't about being a ritualistic thing. It was for relationship. It was something that matters. It was something that was important. It was talking to the Father. You see, can I just tell you really quick, you know what I don't think a good setup for a healthy marriage would be? Is if my wife and I, if I never talked to her, except before dinner, We sit down at the table, and I look up, and I say, honey, thanks for the food. Hope you had a good day. My day was great, and I hope you didn't poison it today. Talk to you tomorrow. That that would not be a lasting marriage or relationship. Why? Because it's not a real relationship. Because it's not one that actually has depth to it. It's not one where we're actually talking, communicating, speaking to one another. But we look to God oftentimes and we treat him just like that. At night we go and we say, God, thanks for another day. I hope you make tomorrow better. Bless me with more things and may you protect the house because I don't want anything to happen. Talk to you tomorrow if you do those things for me. We need to talk to God with an intent for relationship. We need to talk to God the same way we would pursue after talking to a person. Praying is vital. Can I tell you, the friends that I have from high school who I'm still close with, they are the ones I talk to. The ones I'm close to from college, they're the ones I talk to, that I have conversation with. Sure, there's people that if you told me, you said, oh, do you know so-and-so? I'd be like, yeah, they're awesome. They're great. Man, I heard a couple years ago they were doing this thing going on. But I don't really know them. I haven't been talking to him. I haven't had a relationship with him. Sometimes when it comes to Jesus, the reality is if somebody walked up and said, do you know Jesus? You'd be like, yeah, he's awesome. Last time I saw him was around Christmas time because my grandpa got up and started to talk about faith and things like that. It seems like a great dude. He's helped my family a lot. And we need to realize and recognize that God does not want a relationship that is passive but is active. Is us actually looking and saying, God, guess what? I want to talk to you today. God, I want to be able to do relationship with you today. God, I want to be near to you today. So really fast, really quick, why do we pray? Why do we pray? I think it's four things so clear. We pray for relationship, intervention, intercession, and confession. These aren't four parts to make a whole. These are all parts that are intricate within it. You can't do these things stand alone. You have to do these things in relationship to one another because it gives us the wholeness of what prayer is supposed to be. So let me break it down really quick. Relationship. Why do we pray for relationship? Because we want to be near to God. I got to hear a message a few weeks back that was just talking about the simple prayer of saying, God, I want to be near to you today. It's not a lot of words. 
It's not a crazy seeming prayer, but it can be life-changing. Why? Because it's just a prayer for relationship. It's a prayer for closeness, a prayer for nearness. And you know what? When you're near to somebody, you can ask for them to help intervene in a situation. For me and my wife, if I walked up to her, and again, because we have a close relationship, that sort of a thing, I could go up to her and say, honey, I have this thing going on this week. It's going to be a big deal. Uh, could you please help me out by doing, doing this and this? It would, really, it would really help me out. And she would look in, most likely, as long as I'm being reasonable or something like that, and would say, for sure, that's going to help you. Yes. Why? Because we have a relationship. We want to help one another out. So we go to God with relationship. We then know that he wants to intervene. We know that he wants to assist. The third thing, intercession, we look and we've seen God through our relationship intervene in our lives so we start to intercede on the behalf of others. Whether it's friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, around the world, whatever it may be, we go and we end up saying, man, God, I know you've done this in my life. Could you help them out too? You know what's an interesting thing to experience? Being a truck owner. Because when you own a truck, Everyone, when they move, just wants to have your phone number. Because they're like, I got a couch that I really shouldn't have anymore. I have an extra bed I need to move, whatever it may be. Can you help me save a few bucks? And I've had people reach out before, and I've all, my response is usually, I sold the trucks. I didn't. I need to repent of that. But I have friends that look, and they might say, hey, could you help my friend move? And I end up looking, and I'm like, man, why are they recommending me? Why? Because we have relationship, and they've seen me showing up for them, so they trust I'll show up for their friend. So when we go to God in relationship, asking him to intervene in our lives, we are going, knowing his character, to ask, will you please intervene in theirs? And guess what? Through that relationship, there's intervention that happens for them as well. And the final thing is confession. One of the greatest things in a relationship is when you can confess to one another when you've wronged them. Can I tell you that some of the deepest, most impactful moments within me and my wife's marriage is when we have been able to confess that we have wronged one another. But why have we felt like we could confess to one another? Because we knew the relationship could withstand it. So when we have relationship with God and we have wronged him through sin, we've wronged him through our wrongdoing and whatever it may be, we go to him and we do not repent because we walk up and we're like, please don't smite me. We walk up and we repent because we say, I'm sorry I let something get in between us. I'm sorry that I let something make me say no. May we be close again. So we do these things. This is why we pray. So we read the Bible. We take time to pray. And the last one we need to look at today is we fast. This might be a discipline that's most new to many of you. And I hope to break it down by looking at scripture because we see it outlined so clearly by Jesus. And it's so powerful. We read our Bible, we pray, and we fast. Jesus models this in scripture in Matthew chapter four, verses one through two. It says this, that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Imagine that. Didn't eat for over a month. He's hungry. I think we could all resonate with that feeling. Here's the deal. Jesus goes and he fasts. Why does he fast? Because he's about to face something. The enemy is going to tempt him and try him. And so what does he do? He says, God, I need to be so close to you, Father. So he fasts. He does a radical display of commitment to say, I just need you. I don't need anything else. I need to be near to you. I need to be close to you. So he fasts so that he can have the father with him, walking with him in a close way to help him, yes, get through something that was going to be difficult. Now, we see Jesus also call us to fast in Matthew chapter 6, 16 to 18. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. 
But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, when I went and proposed to my wife about five years ago, I ended up having it where I was broke. I was a broke junior high pastor, so I was broke, broke. And I went, and I ended up looking, and I said, man, I want to propose to my wife, and I want to do this right. So what did I do? I went, I got three jobs. I got three jobs. I worked for four months at all three of those jobs, so I could save up as much money as I could while I was in college. And then what did I do? I went, and I spent all the money on a ring. And then I took that ring, and I went down, and I ended up proposing to her in an old movie theater parking lot story for another day. It was sweet, not unintentional. But I went and I proposed to her, and in that moment, I not only handed her a ring that represented my time and my money, but it showed my commitment, because I looked at her and I said, I am saying yes to you and no to everyone else. I am saying I want to be with you and nobody else. You know what's an interesting moment about a proposal? At least from my perspective. It was not in that moment leading up to just her saying yes, It was a radical display on my part as well of saying, this is how committed I'll be to you. I just want to be near to you. I just want to be close to you. I just want to be committed to you. And it was about my heart being put in the right place where I could even ask that. See, I believe that fasting is us going to God in a radical way. In a radical way that we would go to nobody else. And we are saying, God... I love you so much. I need to be so near to you. I need to be so close to you that I won't even eat. That I want nothing else. I just want to show that I am dependent on you. Guess what? God does not need you to be hungry, but sometimes we need to be hungry. Sometimes we need to go and display the fact that God, I just need to have this shift happen in my heart, in my life. You see, for myself, the last time that I ended up fasting, it ended up being because I was just feeling separate from God. I can't describe it any more than that. Not that God had left me or anything like that, but I just didn't feel the nearness that I had. And I just felt God put on my heart, he said, Caleb, just fast. And I went and I ended up fasting for a day, and throughout that day, it just was this unexplainable thing of just this nearness that happened. It was this nearness with God, and it didn't go away when I broke the fast. It remained, but it was a heart shift that happened within me. And it was a shift that ended up having it where God stepped in closer with me. Why? Because I showed the true depth that I wanted to be near to him. So why do we do it? Why do we fast? The first thing we do it for is to be dependent on God. It is literally looking and saying, God, you are all that can sustain me right now. God, I am dependent on you. We do it to grow in discipline. If you're struggling with areas of discipline in your life, fast. Why? It's one of the hardest things you'll do. And that fasting discipline I believe it starts to go down to the other areas of our lives. As we look with a discipline to God and say, God, I want to be close to you, it looks and it ends up helping us add discipline to other areas. It helps us grow in it. We do it to be obedient. Jesus is intentional with his words. He did not say, if you choose to fast, this will happen for you. He said, when you fast, this is how you should. See, we don't fast as an optional extra holy person. We fast because it was a known expectation of Jesus. It was known that he looked and he said, when you fast, this is how you were to do it. We're called to it. We're called to fast. And I'll tell you that within this message, one reason I'm passionate about this is because this is a discipline that for many of us, just honestly, myself included in seasons, we've lost. 
God looks to us and says there is something about fasting that will help you, yes, grow. Now, really quick, really fast, if you are somebody in here where because of medical reasons, you're unable to fast. You're like, I I physically cannot do this. There would be complications that would happen. Things like, do not hear this as a message of condemnation. Do not hear this as a message of you should have more faith or something like that. Hear this then as a call of go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I still want to honor you in this in some way. Can you show me how? Because I want to, but I need it to look a little different. And guess what? God's a God of personal relationship and he'll meet you in that. Now I will say your medical condition cannot just be my stomach kind of hurts sometimes. That's just being hungry. That just happens. So look at this. How do you fast based off of what scripture shows us? How do you fast? Number one is by food. I will say, scripture outlines to us that fasting is through the foregoing of food. That's what Jesus shows us. Guess what? There's a lot of things that Jesus abstained from. There's a lot of things he didn't participate within, but food was how he fasted. Food was how he fasted. Now, what about fasting from other things? Like maybe you look and you say, I'm gonna fast for my cell phone or I'm not gonna go on social media or things like that. That's great. That is still good. It's still good to give more focus to God intentionally. But the discipline of fasting outlined by scriptures through food. So do those good things, but don't let it be a reason why you won't do this thing. Have those moments still going to God. So we do so through food. Second thing, identify a length of time. How do we do it? Through food, we identify a length of time. Why? Because you want to have purpose behind it. It could be one meal, one day, three days, seven days, or 21 days. Those are just some moments. Some people might try to move even further. They might do different variations of it, but those are pretty common lengths people will try to fast. But the third thing, be realistic. Today, again, because you are so inspired, you want to do a 21-day fast, but you've never fasted before, probably not smart. Have wisdom. Know yourself. I will say you haven't had lunch yet, so maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's going to God and saying, God, I'm going to say yes to this. I want to practice this. And maybe it's by saying, I'm just not going to have lunch today. I'm going to do so with an intent. But you got to be realistic about it. Be realistic about where you're at, what you can do, but still stretch yourself. Why? Because growth hurts, but it's necessary. And then have a point of focus within it. This isn't a hunger strike for Jesus. This isn't looking and saying, God, I want a promotion. So these seven days, I ain't eating. So you better make it happen for me. This isn't a hunger strike for God. This is a radical display of relationship. If I had gone to my wife to propose to her and I said, hey, I worked real hard, bought this ring, uh, you gonna be grateful for it? Ooh, can't imagine how that would have gone. Because it's the wrong intent, it's the wrong heart. So when we fast, we do so with an intent. So with this, as I wrap this up today, these three things, read our Bibles, pray, and fasting. It's a simple challenge for you. Will you grow? Will you grow? Will you take time to look to God and say, God, I'm not going to stunt my growth anymore. I'm going to grow. I'm going to step out. I'm going to see this happen. And a part of that yes is by saying yes to what God has for you. It's by saying yes to what he has. And today you might be sitting here and maybe you're saying, Caleb, I'm struggling to say yes to Jesus. I'm struggling to say yes to God. Can I really quick do just a perspective like shift for you? Are you struggling to say yes to your phone? Are you struggling to say yes to the Seahawks game later today that you must watch? Are you struggling to say yes to the hobby that you picked up that costs a lot of money, but you know, I'm just passionate about it. 
Are you struggling to say yes to staying up late and having to sleep in every single day? Are you struggling to say yes to that unhealthy relationship you were supposed to leave? Are you struggling to say yes to the things that maybe just give you general pleasure and enjoyment? But you're struggling to say yes to God. It's a perspective shift. To say yes to God, yes, it means you say no to something, but it's because you're saying yes to the better thing. It's because you're looking and you're saying yes to the thing that must take precedent. So with that, you wanna start growing? Today you're sitting here, you're like, I wanna fast. I wanna grow. You wanna fast? You haven't had lunch yet. Maybe it's not wait six months and have the perfect time. Maybe it's looking and saying today, I'm not gonna have lunch. Maybe it's saying tomorrow, maybe you're somebody where you've looked and said, well, that wouldn't really stretch me. Maybe you're looking and saying, well, tomorrow, Monday, I might be hungry, I could fast for a day though, God. I wanna be close to you. I wanna be near to you, I wanna practice this. Don't make it be wait for the right season. You wanna read the Bible, 8 p.m. tonight. That time is gonna be there. Five minutes from eight to 8.05, read your Bible. You wanna read it? Don't say I'm gonna get the perfect journal, find the best Bible study plan and all, just start. Just look and say, no excuses, God, I'm saying yes today. You wanna pray? Tonight, 8.30 p.m., walk the block and pray with God. Walk the block and talk to him. And maybe you might say, Caleb, I don't have a lot of words to say though. Uh, Caleb, I struggle. Then just start the walk and just say, God, I wanna be close to you. God, I want you to help my family. God, I want you to walk with me. God, I don't know anything else to say, but right now I'm setting the time aside. I wanna be with you. And maybe you just walk with him silent and he might start to give you the words to say. Just start. Find that time. The bottom line of today is just this, saying yes to growth is not extra. It is the natural progression of being born again. It's the natural progression. This isn't extra. This isn't how to be an extraordinary Christian who sees a crazy thing. This is the natural progression of what we're called to be. Born again, walking with God, seeing what he has for us. Yeah, there'll be some growing pains. Yeah, there'll be some things that our Father tells us to do that we might not want, but they're good for us. They're for us to grow. So right now, if you're able, if you can just stand with me, I wanna lead us through a moment of response. And today the response, it's really simple. It's really simple. The first group, two groups, two things. Today you're saying, I've never started to follow this Jesus, but I'm hearing about the good things God has for me. I'm hearing about the things God wants for me. I'm seeing about the growth that he wants. Man, nobody's believed that I could be more than what I am. But you're telling me there's a God who has more than I could become. It's the day you're saying, I want to take a shot with that God. I want to take a shot with that Jesus. I believe that what he has done for me can change my life for an eternity. And you're saying, I want to follow him? Then in a moment, I want you to respond. And the second group is today, you're somebody where you might be saying, I've been following Jesus, maybe you need to recommit to Jesus, but you're saying, I have stunted my growth. I've stunted my growth. It got a little difficult, it got a little painful, but I looked around and I said, I'm good with where I'm at. But no, you know what? God has more for you. You're saying today, Caleb, I need God to help me say no to some things that have been making me not say yes to him. And so right now, with every eye closed, head bowed, I just wanna give us an opportunity for a physical response. If you're one of those two people, 
you're committing or recommitting to Jesus, you're just saying, I'm not gonna stunt my growth any longer. I'm gonna start doing these things. On the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you, raise your hand. And it's not because it's more spiritual, it's a moment between you and God to remember that you're saying, God, I wanna follow you. And if you raise your hand, mark it on the connection card. Why? Because we want to follow up with you. You're not alone in this. But today you're saying, I wanna recommit, I don't wanna stump my growth. On the count of three, just raise a hand. One, two, three. Today you're saying, I wanna grow again. I'm not making excuses. I'm committed. I'm all into this thing. God, I want to see all that you have for me. God, I'm not saying no anymore. God, I'm not making excuses anymore. There's no but behind my yes. I'm saying yes, God. Jesus, right now, I pray for every person that's lifted a hand, for every person who in their heart, they're saying, I need to serve you more. I need to surrender. I need to say yes and stop saying no to you, God. I pray right now that you give them just a drive and a vision of commitment that is not for in a month, not for in a year, but is for today. That is a commitment to growth, a commitment to surrender to the things that have gotten in the way and say yes to all you have. God, that you meet with every one of us, no matter our age, and you say we can grow today. So go ahead of us, Jesus. Be with us. Encourage them, God. Help us to follow you strong and well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for all the things you have ahead of us. In your holy name, everybody said, amen, amen. Right now, we're going to close in a song of worship. Our prayer team's going to come forward. This song's a song of surrender. So if today you are needing to lay something down to Jesus, surrender it in this moment and say yes to all he has. Let's worship him together one more moment.